Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, we have another guest in the studio today, and his name is Brother E. It's so great to have you here today. Thank you for joining us. How are you today? Good. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Feeling good. Feeling uh, positive. Uh, got Jesus on my side. What, what more can I say? <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Where are you calling from today? Uh, right now, I'm in New York, New York City, New York. Um, okay. around the um, Harlem area of New York. Um, uh, usually, I'm based out in um, Pennsylvania, uh, in that area. But today, um, I'm calling from New York. I'm actually in um, my mother's um, home, uh, who okay. passed away recently. Wow. I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And how has the end of the pandemic treated you lately? Um, I wouldn't say the end of it. I, I would say, okay. um, <laughs> I say people are getting more comfortable with it. Um, okay, that's I, probably I, more of a correct <laughs> way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I'm getting more comfortable with it. Um, just seeing things open up and, and people trying to get back to normal, I, I guess what they call normal. But, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see it getting back to the basics as it. What, what we used to know. So, and you're saying um, that this I'm, will never return back to no, the old normal, or you think this is a new normal? I think this is basically the new normal and just okay. added more surprises upon what we used to know. It's kind of like um, reading a, a, a new book and um, being in suspense of what's going to happen next. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's kind of got, got its treats, um, points, and it has its highs and lows and characters and who's playing what and what position I'm going to be or what can I relate to myself in this story kind of feeling, you know? Yep. Do you think we'll have to wear masks forever again? Like when I was in Asia, they wore, wore masks even before the coronavirus. What do you think about that? Right. But I think the, um, I think the mask thing is, is uh, some parts of the world is probably going to uh, get kind of um, used to it. Because I, I feel, I feel in my heart, you know, I always pray and ask God for a direction and guidance of, you know, I want to, I want to be able to be ahead of like, kind of like a weatherman, you know, when we go out and we want to know how the day is going to be. I want to make sure that I have an umbrella, <laughs> you know, before mm-hmm. I step out, if it's going to rain or thunderstorm or just don't go out. So I kind of ask God to show me um, how he shows me how things may be. So I, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, um, you know, been looking at things that, through the Holy Spirit's been guiding me just to know that some parts of the world um, is going to do away with masks, but most of it is just going to keep holding the um, the strict um, you know rules and regulations and, and practicing the, the, the safe distance. And, um, so it, it's going to be like a half-split world, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I've seen it both ways, so I, I agree. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Brother E. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show today. And I talked with you a little bit before the podcast, and I heard a little bit about your story, and it's very interesting. And so please, um, I'm going to give you some time now to share your story with us, about 10 to 15 minutes. Go into it, uh, where God changed your life, where he grabbed you out of your life and protected you, fought for you, all these things. So please okay. take the next few minutes and share your story with us. Okay. Um, first, I'd like to give uh, praise to Jesus Christ of Nazareth, um, the one who has been watching over me, protecting me through situations I never thought I would get out of <laughs> and situations I never thought I would be in. So uh, he, he gets, you know, his name is above all names. Uh, and I'd like to give um, um, praise and glory to the Father, um, the one who sent his only begotten Son to the earth. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Song and Verse Ministries celebrates the art of music, recognizing that God's influence and design can be found in the souls of all humanity. His creation, through their podcast, blog, and other endeavors, they strive to bring His Word to life through reflection, discussion, discernment, and the music itself. Listen to their podcast on YouTube today by searching Song Verse Ministries. Would God register to vote as a Republican or a Democrat? Stephen Connolly is willing to risk millions on the answer. This is a proactive look at how religious voters can cut through the media, spin in the mess in the American politics to identify what the Creator would really think. Readers will learn why it's a myth that God only cares about abortion and homosexuality when in fact he is aligned with one party on economics, foreign policy, race relations, and more. Find your book by searching The God Bet on Amazon today. So uh, I'm going to begin my story and letting you guys know that, you know, um, my, my, my bringing up, um, I was brought up, in a church setting, Emmanuel Presbyterian Church on um, Manhattan, Lower East Side. Uh, used to go there um, since the age of six, you know, as a typical family. Um, grew up in a, in a rough area in the projects back then. It, it was heavily drug-assisted, um, killings, uh, anything you could think of that was at the bottom of, of the list, it was right before me. But uh, for some reason, my mother got me and my brother up in the mornings to go to church. And we went proudly every um, Sunday, sometimes Wednesdays. So I was very involved in the um, Sunday schools and and um, with the uh, the Reverend at the church at the time, uh, Reverend Williams. Um, God bless him, so he passed away. Um, and you know, I, I had a, a very um, intimate relationship at that time um, when I was young. I used to go to um, special um, fun. Um, it's a it's a camp in the outer cities reached in for the uh, the children of the city to go out and experience life in the um, the, the, the outside world, um, the country life. So um, my mom used to send me there too. I'm just just trying to speed up and catch up a little bit. Um, you know, I, like I said, it was inner city kids going out into the, the countryside. Um, sometimes we were going to homes for like two weeks or a month and we would spend time in, in, in the country fields and uh, farm life. And we begin to interact with other families. Um, I, for some reason, I was always placed in a family that was struggling with the belief in God as a young child, around eight, eight years old. And for some reason, 
um, the um, the way God touched me, it was always in a way that to speak to people, to older adults, and um, to to bring revelations to um, helping adults understand their situation and problems. I actually had a couple of people try to adopt me <laughs> because wow. of the way um, you know I spoke. Um, we used to pray together and stuff like that. They called my moms and wanted to know if she <laughs> if she wanted to give me up for adoption. It, it was real serious back then. But as you know, you know, um, as we grow up, um, we go into peer pressure, and um, we see a lot of our friends um, get into other things that's against the word of God. And I felt alone. I, I felt very discouraged. I felt um, like I was the only one in the world who who wanted to do good, to be good, to to honor God. And it kind of because I didn't have that strong direction and people over me. I kind of got into the street life a little bit. So I went off. And um, a couple of times almost cost me my life. Um, and But during those times, for some reason, I have always prayed when I was down to my bottom, when I had nothing left, even to the point where it was a life and death situation. For some reason, I, I would pray and things would just go away. Situations would just dismantle. It would bring ease. Uh, to a situation, whether it was um, uh, against something was against my life, um, I was always brought out of the situation and always um, giving praise to God, but but still being a knucklehead in some ways and still, you know, drifting here and there. Because remember, I didn't have that kind of um, mentor mentorship over me during those those um, teenage years, which I I pray that I wished I would have had back then. But um, just speeding up a little bit, you know, I dibble dabbled in and out of 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 God and and His Word, and and it, it cost me a lot. Uh, made a lot of wrong decisions. Uh, but um, as I got older, um, started to get into the family life, have kids, have children. Um, got married into a relationship that wasn't that wasn't equally um yoked. Um, I come to find out. When um, God uh, revealed to me, because um, I asked one day, I just got tired of the problems that me and my wife was going through at the time. We, we was together for almost 16 years before we got married. And we kind of did it backwards, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was kind of like, you know, um, you've been together, you live together, you, you enjoy all the, the, the things of life together, but you, you didn't have the cornerstone of marriage in place before that. So um, the Father revealed that to me through Scripture as well. And after that, um, I, that's when things started to break down. I started to see um, things a little bit different. The Father started working in my heart um, with my situation with my ex-wife. He started to open up my eyes in ways that I've never seen him before. And this is what started my stronger connection with, with, with Jesus um, and the father where it was on a different level. So, um, I asked the father one day, cause you know, I was just going through so much with my wife. We, the communication wasn't there no more. Um, the children were always, I was always, I'm a big kid at heart, you know, so I'm always, um, you know, uh, with the children, um, you know, either talking about God with the children here and there, you know, um, uh, playing with them and doing the, the, the daddy activity. But, uh, me and my wife just started to drift. She started to be more of the world and doing worldly things, which 
you know, most women nowadays who are not uh, grounded in the word or, you know, into whatever's in the world. So the father started to show me things that I needed to see in order for me to be able to get back into into his word and to lift his word. So, it, I mean, she wasn't a bad person, but it was just we wasn't equally yoked through the word. And it was more a fleshly relationship than it was a spiritual marriage uh, with, that was ordained and, and appointed. I, I, say, I say it's appointed and anointed by the Father. So um, we, um, uh, what's so funny about this um, conversation, um, during um, the, the, the demise of the relationship, uh, my mother, um, she was very fond of my, um, my ex-wife. Um, they had a falling out. And um, I haven't, I, I spoke to my mother like three times a day, either three or four sometimes, every day, every day. Um, she used to come visit me and the family because it, it was hard for me to travel, get around, because I was always in the house. I was always with the children. And just, I was always into the family life. So she understood that. She respected that. So she would come to visit us. Um, but it came a point where right at the end of my relationship um, with my ex, um, things just went upside down. But during that time, I heard a voice in me say, do not worry. Trust me. Trust everything. Trust me. Now, I heard the father's voice before and that feeling, that, that intuition. I heard it before, but it, it was a kind of, of a stronger um, um, a stamp of approval. Like, it's me. Just trust me. No matter what you see, no matter what you experience, just trust me. Um, not maybe um, a week later, um, my wife, ex-wife, took the kids and disappeared uh, for a couple of days. And I was worried and stressed. And, you know, um, we wasn't talking at all. It, it, our relationship just was completely just diving down the hills. She took the kids uh, for a couple of days. Um, and I just thought that she was going to get away and stuff like that. So I didn't bother. But uh, a couple of days start um, running, um, running away. And, you know, I got concerned. So I called her and she told me that she was done with the relationship. And because um, of, of our, um, our distances and I don't talk and we don't talk and everything I talk is about God and, you know, she's, you know, she wants more of, of, of that type of um, relationship with me and her and spending time and, you know, just, just the worldly stuff. And I was mm -hmm. mostly into the word of God. So she, she seemed me kind of like on another level. I was growing, I was growing away from her and she knew how much I love my kids. So she kind of used that a little bit. It kind of shake my world a little bit, I guess. But during that time, it was like a, a whole week that went by and um, something told me, it says, now you're going to understand most of the things that you went through, but have faith and trust in me. That was that still voice that came into me again. Um, my mother at that time, during that week, my mother had a back surgery which um, she was telling me, she said that uh, the doctors, uh, she did a, had an examination. The doctors uh, referred her to have uh, a lower back um, surgery. She was having a lot of pains on her back, and she's been through other surgeries, but this was more of a serious uh, kind of surgery. So I, I was kind of against it, but, you know, it's my mom's, and 
you know. But she she went did the surgery. Um, there was a little bit of complication in the surgery at first. Um, it was a little bit scare um, from my mother's husband. She he had called me and he had told me something happened in the surgery that someone called him, and and they said, "Oh, excuse me, sir, we'll call you back." I don't want to get off track, but this is part of the the, the testimony. So um, he called me and he was scared. He was like, "Hey, I don't know what's going on." Um, they called me from the hospital. They said that uh, something went wrong in the surgery. So mm -hmm. I'm calling, trying to call the hospital. So they, they call him back and they said, all right, everything's fine. She's ready to be picked up soon um, because um, of something out of surgery, a couple of hours, and she's able to go home. So I was scratching my head. I thought that was kind of funny at first. And I said, you know, okay. And, you know, everything looked at, you know, good so far. So after her surgery, she came home. I spoke to her. And um, she was still a little bit, um, in pain, sore, and I said, Mom, how you doing? She said, I'm doing fine. She said, something happened to me during the surgery. She said, I don't know what happened to me, but something happened to me, and I can't figure out what it is. And um, she said, you know, I'm going to ask my doctor um, to try to figure out to make sure that the surgery was a success because I'm still having a little bit of pain, but she said, I just feel funny. I don't feel like myself. And I was like, my okay. I was like, you know what? Um, just give me a few numbers to call, and I will call. So I was trying to um, call, but because I wasn't down on her paperwork for them to okay the um, the, um, the the phone call, they they couldn't really give me much information until I had signed some paperwork to release, um, you know, to have me on her documents. So um, afterwards, um, for a couple of days, my mother was really feeling bad. She said, "I really need you." I, I really need you. So, mind you, this is the time where my ex-wife left the house with the kids. I'm in the house all alone, okay? And she says, I really crazy. need you. Um, when my mother speaks in that manner, she, she, she touched the cord in my heart that said she really needs me. So, right away, I said, okay, Ma, I was trying to gather all things. I didn't know what to do. Um, something came in me and said, divorce. That was the first thing that said divorce. And I was like, I, 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 I looked it up in scripture first because I wanted to, I didn't want to go against the father's word about divorce because I know he's heavy about that. But um, I looked it up and, um, you know, I took a, it took a good two weeks before I got my confirmation that that's what was needed, um, a divorce, a separation, because of the fact that me and her wasn't equally yoked and because it wasn't ordained and appointed by him. Okay, so during that time, the two-week span, me trying to figure out how I'm going to get to my mother to make sure that she's okay and um, visit her in New York, and I'm in Pennsylvania, um, the divorce thing popped up. Um, I start um, going around searching um, for some lawyers. Um, I actually ran into a place that would help me out uh, for free. <laughs> And that was uncommon. Someone listed themselves as um, to help to give back to the community. And as as I walked into the place, they just signed up, just signed up. Because I asked, I said, Father, if this is for me, if this is what you really want, then I give it in your hands. And I trusted him. And as I went to talk to some people, they heard my situation. Somebody just um, put their name on a list um, to give back to the community. And um, it, the, the person, the secretary was taking my information, said, you, 
I don't know, but you, you, this must be your lucky day because someone just signed up and, and you know, and the story goes on. So um, got the paperwork done, um, took two weeks, went out to visit my mother. Now, she was in bad shape, but I kind of helped her with her appointments, going back and forth with her appointments, doctor visits. Um, I was hands-on. She had an aide, but mo mostly I was doing the running around for her because I wanted to console my mother as a, as a son. Um, this went on for a good uh, two months. Uh, my mother um, uh, uh, re re recovered um, greatly. Um, her back, you know, pain was gone. Um, she was walking. Um, she, you know, she was herself again. Um, but the conversation was brought up here and there. She said, she always would tell me, I don't know, there's something happened to me in the surgery. I don't know what it was. And, you know, so during her visits, we would ask the doctors, did everything go okay? Doctor says, yes, there's no problems. Everything's okay. Um, the, the surgery was a success. So, but my mother still had that feeling that there was something that was amiss, that she didn't feel right inside her. So during the, um, the time of me still going back and forth, now I'm in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. um, and, and I have my children. Um, they separated. Um, she had got another apartment um, um, in a, in a, in a um, close by where I was, and um, I, I had to give up the house because I wasn't able to pay the full rent by, my, um, by myself. So um, I had to put my stuff in storage. Everything, I was down to my last penny. Everything I trusted was on the Father and Jesus. Every step of the way, I gave it to them because I didn't, I didn't know what was I going to do, how was I going to do it, how was I going to be able to provide for myself in a situation. Um, just praying and keeping my faith into um, getting money um, to be able to, um, you know, um, place my stuff in stories because I was down to my last penny. And I was trying to go back and forth to visit my mother. So the bills were accumulating. Everything was piling up. Um, there was more that went into it, but I'm just going to just wean on with the story. Um, it got to the point where I was actually staying in a hotel when I would come back to Pennsylvania to visit uh, my children. Um, but the money was just, it, it, it was just wasn't there. So there was a voice that came into me and I said, the shelter, go into the shelter. Now, that was the last thing that was on my mind, was to go to a shelter. Because I came from um, a pretty good, we just moved into a, a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood. I mean, every day you would wake up and hear the birds twerping, and, you know, the neighbors were very nice. So I was kind of used to it, um, used to that atmosphere. So going into the shelter was something that was just out of this world to me at the time. But um, it kept pressing hard on my heart, going to the shelter. So um, I looked up a, a, a couple of shelters. Um, I found one, um, and it, something ticked me in my heart to go to this particular shelter. Now, as I went into the shelter, uh, they have a chapel part of the shelter um, where they have service every morning. Um, um, they have three services, one in the morning, um, one after lunch if you, if you choose to, and one at night. And... Um, we had to attend, so I went there. Uh, during the services that they had, you would have different people speak their testimony um, about, you know, Jesus, how Jesus influenced them and the different things that they were going through in their life and how, how they came out of, of, uh, of their situations and how God is still moving and working in their lives. So I was pretty much um, in that place 
to rediscover how God and Jesus operated in other people's lives. Because at the time, me going into the shelter, I felt like um, this was the worst blow ever. I felt like this cannot be happening to me. <laughs> I, just, I just truly, truly gave myself fully committed to Jesus and, and, and the Father, 100%. Uh, I, you know, wife left, took the kids. Um, my mother just got into a surgery. She was in the hospital, um, back and forth trying to, you know, nurse her back um, to health. And I'm in a shelter. And I used to pray every night. And I used to say, Father, if you want me to be here, I'm here. But, but show me. Show me the reason why I'm here. And wh wh why do I have to be here? Just show me. And, um, during that time, during that prayer, it was like a couple of days later, I started to meet people. I started to meet brothers that's in Christ who I've helped during prayer times and day difficult times in life. Um, I started to get into Bible studies real hard at the different programs that they have at the shelter. I uh, started meeting the pastor, getting more um, strongly connected with the pastors and um, kind of like um, giving, um, you know, my understanding. Of, 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 of my testimony and what I've been through and, and giving inspirations to others during Bible study. There was a lot that went on after that. And I, I started to understand that the Father was taking me through these processes in order for me to see there's other people like me who believe in Him and who love Him, but who goes through the ups and downs in life and that they are committed to Him no matter what they go through, no matter what they experience. And no matter what people say or how people will look at them, they still committed to him. And um, when I got that message in my heart, I started to have more compassion. Um, my heart just opened up because there was some parts of me, you know, as we give our, our lives to, to, to Jesus, there's some parts of us that it's a, it's, it's a work in progress, I say. You know, we still go through our changes. There's some things that God no longer wants us to to um, have within us our different characters, um, our different feelings, uh, uh, how we feel about things, how we perceive things, how we interact. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a changing process, you know. So during that time, uh, the Father was changing me. He was changing my heart to be more compassionate to people who were suffering more than I was suffering, but who kept Jesus strong in their life and who, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they're experiencing, they're finding salvation at the lowest part of their lives and what they're going through. They're finding salvation. There was people who were being, um, saying the sinner's prayers, um, accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior through the, through the worst part of times of their lives. There were people who were like me, who had more money than me, who came from a, 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 a you know, a outstanding family lifestyle and who was in the shelter with me side by side. And um, because for some reason they were drawn to that particular shelter, and for some reason they were drawn to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So during that time, um, I was in the shelter. All right, I was going back and forth uh, to visit my mother like every month. Um, you know, I would spend two weeks there um, uh, with my mother, and I would just go back to the shelter. So. Me, being, uh, me nursing my mother, you know, spending time uh, mm -hmm. with my mother, um, there was something that kind of um, was triggering my emotions 
at that time when I was spending time with my mother. There was things that she was saying just wasn't the normal kind of conversation that me and my mother would have. My mother, she, although she had the back surgery, she was doing well. She still had, you know, problems walking. She walked with a walker. Um, my birthday, um, was on March, March 13th. Um, she, she was, she was a little bit under the weather at that time. She, she said, you know, I want to do something for you for your birthday. I said, Mom, no, you don't have to. She said, no, I need to do this. And I said, okay, I'm not going to argue. Something said, do not argue with her. Something really came upon me and said, do not argue. Whatever she wants, whatever she wants, whatever she needs, do it. And, and it came strong. And I was like, Father, I know this is you because, you know, um, that feeling that I felt when you told me, trust me, no matter what you go through, it's that same feeling. And something came over me and said, you're going to appreciate what she's doing. Do everything she wants you to do. So anyway, she, um, on the time for my birthday, she was preparing. The aide was helping her. She struggled to get up to cook for me my last dinner. She, um, she sung happy birthday to me. She bought me a cake. She, I felt like, um, a little kid again. Like I was, um, five years old. Um, mm -hmm. I had a, little, a few family members around. Um, she, she, she lit the candles and she sung happy birthday. And she sung it so strongly and so proudly. And it, it, it didn't dawn on me at the time. Was, you know, I kind of looked at my mother as, okay, you know, my mom, she has her moments at good times, but she was just being extra with it. And she sung happy birthday to me like I was five years old. After she sung happy birthday, she said, blow out your cakes. Now I'm a grown man. I'm like, all right, ma. So just say, just play along with it. Act like you're a child. So I played, I said, all right, ma. I made a wish. I blew out. She said, yeah. And then she sat down on her walker and she looked up. She looked up into the, um, the ceiling. She clapped her hands while everybody was, Something just told me to look at her. She clapped her hands, and she said, Thank you, God. I'm happy now. And that, that, that moment, for some reason, after my birthday, kept playing in my mind uh, when I left her, uh, when I went back. There, we had a serious conversation before I left. She looked it so sad before I left. But... I gave her a big hug, and she told me she loved me and whatever, and and um, I went back because I had um, to um, I had an appointment to spend time with my kids and stuff like that. So um, that was the last time I seen her, and she had got sick. She went to the hospital. Um, while she was in the hospital, I was praying for her. Um, it looked like everything was going well for her. Um, she was... Um, about to be discharged, and then, you know, um, at that time, I was speaking to the doctors, uh, trying to figure out what was the situation, what was going on with her, and um, she had went through one complication after another, after she was doing well, after she was um, going to be discharged. So I was kind of a little bit um, uh, took it aside. I didn't understand because you know, when my mother or anybody's in need, I go, I hit the floor real hard and I pray and I give it all I got. Especially when it comes to my mom. I, I gave it all I got. So, Father, I, I, you're a father who, does, who answers prayers. I know you can answer this prayer. And I said, my mother's in the hospital. She needs you. And, you know, and he did answer. She was doing well. 
um, there was a, a moment after those after those two strong prayers that I had when her situation turned from the worst. Um, the father um, just said, "Trust me, trust me, no matter what, please." It was a different kind of feeling. It was a, a, a worried kind of feeling. It was an uneasy, unsettled kind of feeling that I haven't felt before. But I knew it was him. Um, two days later, um, she passed away. And um, I didn't believe it. I called the hospital. I spoke to the doctor. I, I asked the doctors. I said, what happened? No, this can't be true. I was screaming into the phone, God, please. I'm sorry, a little bit emotional. <laughs> I said, no, God, please, not my mother. I'm faithful. I'm loyal to you. I've done everything you asked me to do. Not my mother, please. So um, I'm yelling into the sky. People are looking at me. I was distraught. I said, no. And then um, this feeling came over me. It was a feeling of peace that I've never felt in my life. And he said, trust me. I know it's something that you think is not me. Trust me. I know what I do. And um, at that time, I said, okay, Father. I said, I love you. I said, I love you. Please forgive me if I had any anger towards you. Because of this, and that this ha this is like a five minute situation that went on after I was speaking to the doctors and I hung up. I was hitting my knees. People thought I was crazy, but that feeling came over me. It was so peace. I had never felt that feeling before. Um, this this is when it gets a little bit deeper. Um, I went uh, after that. I just felt numb inside. I felt there was a part of me that was ripped out. I was crying. Um, I had walked out. Um, I didn't know where I was. I My mind just felt blank. I just felt like a different person. For some reason, I ended up in my children's mother's home. And um, to break the news to my children, and, you know, uh, it was a, a very uh, kind of moment that I would never thought that this kind of news I would be giving to my my children, their grandmother, you know, passed away. But um, we were all in distraught. We was crying, stressed out. And something amazing happened. It was like an hour into my visit with them, something amazing happened. I felt something so powerful come over me that I never, never, ever felt in my life. And I seen angels. I seen, I seen angels, literally angels was my eyes. I seen one above my mother. I seen a silhouette of my mother. One above her head, one beneath her feet, and two, one on her right side, left side. And she said, I want to say bye to my grandkids. I love them. And I seen something open up. And this feeling that it, this feeling was so powerful. I felt like I wanted to go. It, it was a feeling of peace that is unexplainable. So much love and peace. I wanted to go, not because of my mother, but because of the feeling. And I felt so, like, I couldn't believe it. I was, I, and I was like, I caught it. Everybody thought I snapped. <laughs> I'm not snapping. I said, 
so your grandmother's here. She wants to wave by. The angels are here. And <laughs> the kids, they felt something, but they couldn't see it. Um, and then I saw, I seen the, um, like a silhouette of her and the angels going up into the ceiling. And then the, it just, something just closed off and that ceiling went away. Then I heard a voice loudly, loudly said, she's with me now. She's with me now. I was, he was like, God told me she's with me. Go finish my work. Go do what you're here to do. Continuously to help people. Continuously to pray for people. This feeling came so strong and powerful that it took my pain and hurt and it turned around. I felt actually joy. I felt joy that my mother was with him mm-hmm. and she made it. After that, um, that pain and feeling like something was ripped out of me was replaced with an overwhelming feeling of peace and joy that I've never felt and experienced. And people thought I was going to snap. People thought I was going to break because I was very, um, I was considered a mama's boy. I spoke with my mother three or four times a day, every day, for years. And, you know, it, it was just a shocking feeling that everybody was looking upon me for strength. And I was able to give them strength through the whole situation. I was able to give people at a time where I just lost my mother and people that loved my mother, I was there for them. Mm-hmm. Well, it should have been the other way around, but God was working through me and I saw his power. I saw his, 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 his joy, his peace over me that spreading it to other people and comforting them at a time where I felt like I should have been comforted, but the father was comforting in me. And, um, you know, amazing things happened at that time. The coronavirus just hit. Um, the, all the funeral homes were shut down, overbooked. There were no no chances of anyone calling me back at the time. Um, I called. I had family members calling. We called all over. And I said, okay. I went, I went to Jesus. I said, Jesus, that's my mother. Please. I need to bury her. Please help me. Please. And the next day, I woke up with a feeling of peace in my heart. And I went to the computer, and I saw something guiding me into this funeral, this funeral on parlor that's um, near um, um, where my mother lives at. And I saw a, a strong feeling, call, call. And I called, and sure enough, they had a space. They had they had a time to do it. They gave me a price and everything. And I thought I thought I was dreaming. I thought this can't be real. I said no, this, because we we was calling for almost a week everywhere, everywhere. We was afraid because my mother was in the hospital. We had to claim her body. At the time, we was hearing horrid stories about um, family members being. Um, um, cast away into um, different burial plots without any tombstones. Or, it was just hard stories we was hearing if you didn't claim your loved ones at a certain time. So I was, we was all trying to um, rush things. and um, But I prayed to Jesus. I said, Jesus, help me. I need your help. The next day, he led me. He guided me. And I was able to um, have a, a small service for my mother. 
um, during it, it was so crazy, um, during the service for my mother, um, there were things that happened in between that was causing a delay. But every time there was a delay, I get on my knees and I pray. I said, Father, this is what's going on. I gave it to him and things were straightened out. But at the day of the, of, of the funeral, um, we had, it was only allowed a certain amount of people. Um, um, there was a, uh, what's it called? A hearse. I was supposed to pick up my, my mother's body and, um, to go, uh, you know, to deliver the body to the, uh, uh, to the cemetery. Um, during the time of us gathering and, you know, being inside the, uh, funeral home, um, one of the directors came to me and said, sir, can I speak to you for a minute? So I'm wiping my, my eyes from the tears and I'm like, yes, uh, you know, how can I help you? He said, um, he said, I don't, he said, I don't know how to tell you this, but, um, and I hate to tell you this, but we cannot bury your mother today. Wow. And I said, why? And, you know, and he said, because our hearse just had an accident. <laughs> and it's a serious accident to the point where the, the, car, the hearse was total. And I said, no, God. I said, no, I said, I told the director, I said, I, I cannot go another day with this being in my heart with my mother not being buried. I said, I need something. He looked at me and, and I felt, I know he felt my pain. He saw, and I said, Lord Jesus, I screamed out and he said, sir, go, go back in there. Go spend time with your mother. I'll take, this is our father. I'm going to take care. And he made phone calls because remember, it was at a time where everything was booked solid. And he made phone calls uh, for a whole hour straight and while the service was going on and they found somebody, someone. And it came to the point where the director said, I'm going to transport you guys. I'm going to go myself to make sure that you are there, that your, your mother gets the proper burial that she needs. So he came along with us because of the inconvenience and stuff like that. So it was, it was a very touching moment. Um, after, um, after the funeral, um, and as, as time went on, um, it, it took a lot of, you know, like, of, there was a lot of downtime, um, that I had, uh, you know, I had a depressed moment where I was actually, um, just going through the motions of missing my mother. But I would feel the father on me almost every morning. Get up, get up. It's a feeling of inspiration. Get up, um, go talk to my people, meaning, um, I have a, a, a daily devotion I do, um, that I do online and I give um, daily devotion testimony, sometimes prophetic words, and um, I didn't want to do it. And um, and he kind of gave me an understanding. I said, you know, I thank you for everything you've done, but I'm, right now, like, my heart is saddened. And, and, and the father said, I understand that, but it was like a conversation I was having. It was like, she is with me. And you're gonna understand at a time in the history of the world that everything is going, why she's listening. And at the time, just um, um, you know, just like kind of like on the downside where we had, uh, I think not too long after that, um, the George uh, Floyd uh, situation. There was just things going on yeah, yeah. at the time that he gave me understanding, and he said, "Your mother." had a kind, good heart. She helped a lot of people. She was a grandmother to a lot of people. Um, 
people that she didn't know, um, children um, who had difficulties with their parents, or, you know, she would actually take them in sometimes. She would talk to them. She would, she would help out people, um, give them food at the school. She was um, teacher's uh, parent coordinator. She, I mean, she was very highly favored, you know, in different places that, that she went because of her heart. And Father said, I, she's with me now. And because of the stuff that's going on in the world, you un you will understand why she's with me. Because there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to understand the things that's going on in the world or to be able to to be able to accept what's going on in the world. Because people are so much caught up in the way the world was. And sometimes it they can cause a division within people of not going back to what things used to be and where things are going. And sometimes the father has his people in this world that are his, are his, um, his uh, foot soldiers, I should say, you know, men and women, and sometimes it's their time to go. And to go back home with him. You know, they, 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 they fought a good fight, you know, and it's, sometimes it's, it's, it's their time. And I have to be able to understand that and, and to respect that and honor that. Just like it would be my time to go back when I'm finished fighting the good fight. So that conversation that the father had with me kind of brought balance to dealing with um, the situation a little bit better. I was able to be more stronger for other people and myself. Um, so during, during that time, um, I was still going through the, um, the, the, uh, the, the divorce situation. Um, now, what, what happened was the father, the father um, Jesus is so good to me, um, he told me at the time to forgive my ex-wife for taking the kids and, and the situation. And he actually told me to start doing Bible studies with my children. <laughs> and um, so I, I did that, and I followed, and um, things opened up where uh, things were good for a while. You know, um, I would go spend time um, with uh, the kids. Um, we have um, stepchildren. Uh, I have stepchildren with her and my own two kids with her. So, you know, they're like still my kids, but um, I still feel like I'm kind of responsible for them in a way um, of preaching the word to them too as well. So I will go do Bible study and, and you know, just have our time together and, and talk about Jesus and, and, um, and um, help them with their, their situation and their struggle in life. And yeah. Because as they're getting older, we all we all need that mentor, that kind of mentorship that I was looking for back then. But as it has, and I felt alone, and I kind of went off path because I had nobody constantly giving me the word or instructing me on the word or giving me a foundation to um, have the word in my life and to practice it and to live it. So I wanted to give that my children and her children as well as I do these Bible studies. So we're still doing it to this day here and there. Me and the ex really uh, are not on talking terms, but we respect each other because she doesn't see and understand my strong strong conviction with Jesus now and what I'm, um, what I'm doing now. So, um, yeah, so there, there's plenty more, but I'm going to cap it off there because I feel the Holy Spirit like, uh, you did it. You, you gave what you needed to give. Um, hopefully it will help out anyone who needs to hear the rest of it. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Right. Uh, I hope 
that I was able to, uh, I know I was a little bit all over the place, um, but, um, you know, sometimes um, being all, all over the place could bring um, a focus to different people where they are in their lives, you know, because we have different chapters and different seasons that we all go through. And sometimes it's spreading it out, you know, in, in, in quarters, you know. So I hope that my testimony is able to touch, even though it was a little bit all over the place, is able to touch and get focused to where people are at in their lives. We have about five to ten minutes left, and I do want to ask you this question before we jump into your clothing store. But what do you think has been the biggest thing that God has taught you over the last 20 years in your life? Oh, my God. Oh, I, I feel like the Father... Um, has shown me in, in, in the, the 20 years of the, the growth, the growth that every person, man or woman, who loves Jesus, says Jesus, who loves him, that everybody has a growth and different points of their lives that even when it seems like, uh, like a crazy situation or it seems like it's, um, it's sometimes destructive, Sometimes uh, 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 overbearing situation that it comes a, a point in time where that's where we really see who God is. That's where we really have our encounters um, with Jesus and God. And when those place. moments come mm-hmm. about. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you, Brother E. And with your clothing stuff, we have about five minutes left, but I just want to touch on it because. I think that's important as well. So you started a clothing brand. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that just in the next five to 10 minutes uh, about what you're offering, where they can find it at, and then we'll close out the podcast. Okay, yes. Um, I started this, this clothing brand on Bonfire and other sites that I'm, I'm bringing about. It's called Jesus Baby Dripwear. Um, this, this clothing line was inspired. Um, the father has placed in my heart. I've seen a lot of homeless people um, in New York City, uh, Pennsylvania, and just different situations I've been seeing um, in, in the shelter that inspired me to be able to start kind of like a fundraiser to give 10% back to the homeless, whether it's food, clothes, whether I could give them money um, to, to, to be in the hotel or whatever extra need that's needed for them to be able to sustain themselves. Um, this clothing line was inspired because I wanted I, I, you know, my heart was burning and saddened when I would see homeless people on the streets and people walking by and just acting like, um, with no care in the world. And, um, it got to the point where I, where I came to the father about it. And, um, one day he inspired me to, um, to, to, um, be able to start something that would bring awareness and for people who really truly feel, um, um, a connection uh, and sympathy for those who are less unfortunate and who are struggling um, on the streets as families that's out living in the streets um, for whatever reason, that I could be able to be a comfort in some kind of way to them, to be able to help them throughout their day or to be able to feed them or clothe them or whatever, whatever the father places in my heart to be able to be a stepping stone of a help for them. Okay. And where can we find this information at? Where can we find this website at? Um, you can go to Bonfire. Bonfire. Um, it's a Jesus-Baby-Drip, D-R-I-P, 
dash where W E A R. Um, you can also go to God's ministry on YouTube and look me up. Um, I have the symbol with the lion. It's a crown with a lion's head. It says God's ministry It's blue. Mm -hmm. That's my symbol. Um, and this is, um, basically, um, um, the father's work, um, that I'm doing as far as with the clothing and making sure that the father and Jesus is, um, is maintained in, in, in the clothing industry as I'm getting more in depth into designing and making sure that his presence is known in the clothing industry as well. Well, again, brother, thank you so much for joining us today, sharing your story with us, talking a little bit about your life and about your clothing as well. So I, I thank you again. And if I can have you in the podcast with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Okay, no problem, sir. Yes. Um, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one who you risen from the grave the third day to give you glory and power. We love you. We come to you um, humbly but boldly. And we ask that you touch every listener in their lives, touch their hearts, stir fire faith back into them so they trust and faith and belief in you is strong to withstand the enemy. I pray that nothing but peace, shalom, and blessings to fall upon the listeners. And they feel your presence and they have an encounter a counter, that's a testimony that they could give every day of their life and pass it down from generation to generation. Father, we ask you to, to uplift us and strengthen us throughout our struggles and for always, for us to always bring you glory because all the glory belongs to you. We ask for peace. We ask for happiness. We ask for joy. We ask for prosperity for us to prosper in all that we do with our hands. Father, we come to you. I kneel, I bow. And I give you all the glory. I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.